0: music maniacs uh what episode we're on four now yeah oh wow time flies it does oh so big shout out to everybody for being here we appreciate you uh anything you (laughs) want to tell the people before we get into our very special topic of the day
1: no no welcome back everybody thanks for joining us and supporting us
0: yeah it's a beautiful day it's a beautiful day over here in brooklyn new york the sun's shining the birds are chirping Mm -hmm. it's somewhere faintly in the distance You can hear a homeless man taking a shit on the sidewalk. You (laughs) can. So it's a great day to do a podcast about Def Jam Records. Oh, yeah. And that's what we're doing.
1: Oh, yeah. It's always a good time to talk about Def Jam, like a pioneer force in the hip hop industry.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. It's crazy. Like the whole, like, yeah, hip hop as a business would not exist how it does without Def Jam. Like, There's, I mean, it would have happened in some way. Yeah. But in this reality where we live in, it just wouldn't have been the same without Def Jam. Yeah. There's just no way.
1: Yeah. Like, I feel like Def Jam really solidified everything because that was like the hip hop label. Yeah. You know, whereas like other small labels and record companies, you know, when they were probably just signing new hip hop acts, they probably had. A bunch of R and B acts as well or a bunch of like, you know, yeah, yeah. doo wop acts too or something like that Because 'Cause we're talking about the eighties here. You right, know what right. I'm saying? So they probably like, Oh yeah, I'll sign this guy, but Def Jam was like, you know, we only deal with hip hop. Basically. Well, not- I
0: feel I feel like if we're really gonna do this, we should talk about the two of them like separately and then how they like came together. Rick and Russell. Of, of Rick and Russell. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Should,
1: should they have called it Rick and Russell Records?
0: R and R R and R Yo <laughs> Possibly It's
1: like Barnum and Bailey Rick and Russell
0: <laughs> Ricky and Russell <laughs> Making all the music But um yeah. Okay so Who do you want to start with?
1: Um. Let's start with Rick. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I always just say back when Rick used to be so handsome. Let's start with Rick, though. <laughs> no offense, Rick. You're still handsome now.
0: So you've had a crush on Rick. No big deal.
1: I did, <laughs> and a couple of other people on Def Jam as well. But we'll we'll talk about them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So, so Rick is from Long Island. Uh huh. He's from the island, out on the island over there, yep. doing all kinds of island things. Yes. And the dude, I don't really know too much about his, like, early, early life, but it's just, he clearly just loved music. He had such a passion for music, and he, like, his initial, like, outlet of music was he was in a punk band. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So, I think it's really interesting because, like, for somebody that, like, I guess isn't a music you know, historian in the way that we are, doesn't know as much about music. Somebody might see punk rock and hip hop and think that they're really different. Right. But they're really not. Not at all. They're really basically the same exact thing. Yeah. (laughs) Like, First of all, they're both
1: rooted in Jamaica, which is odd.
0: I feel like, uh, I don't know, it's just so interesting because like, well especially at this time it's like hip-hop really only existed in new york city
1: yeah at, at this particular
0: time i mean we're talking very early 80s hip-hop yes. started in the south bronx yes and it's, so at this time it's like hip-hop was really like a new york thing like maybe if you had like a if you had like a cousin in new york or some shit like yes. you could kind of know about it yeah. but it wasn't a national thing right. it wasn't a worldwide thing it was pretty much like a new york phenomenon yeah so so rick was around all of that Like while he's in, you know, the punk space as well. And he's kind of like, this is, this is all the similar, like it's all like the same kind of attitude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he recognized that and he's just kind of like, all right, these things like go together. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he, well, he basically, he started Jeff Jam in his dorm room at NYU. Yes. And he was just making beats on like whatever drum machine they had at the time. Yeah and i mean well yeah we got to talk about russell obviously but he started it by himself in his dorm room and it was just because of his passion for music he wasn't like oh i'm gonna turn this into the biggest label ever or whatever he was like this is the what i'm trying to make and this is how i'm i'm gonna make it happen Yeah, yeah right yeah and then on the other side
1: we have russell we got russell yeah
0: he's from hollis right yes what is Hollis like? Do you know how Holl- I've never been there. Like
1: I've never been there, but these are our parts of Queens that are not Jamaica. Queens, you know, <laughs> not the South Side, like where 50 yeah. is from. So it uh, looks very, um, you know... Uh- <sighs> I was going to say clean. I mean, because you couldn't say that in the city. So these are parts of Queens, like by Astoria, I think northern Queens that just look a little bit more cleaner. Chances are that Russell grew up in a home with Mm -hmm. a front yard and a backyard, a driveway and two parents in the house. That's basically what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. I've always heard of Hollis as being kind of more like suburban. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: but I've never been there. So
1: pretty pretty. Yeah. yeah. Like Astoria, Hollis, like the places where Kid and Play, Salt and Peppa and like Run DMC are from are nice areas. Right. They're nice areas.
0: So Hollis is almost Long Island.
1: Yeah. cause Yeah. Yeah. Because that's that's the, that's the come up. Right. You, yeah. You're in Queens and then when you get money, you can go out on the island.
0: Right. Well, I feel like that's interesting because I feel like you get money and you go you're either going to go into Manhattan or you're gonna go further out on the island right but nobody's gonna stay in
1: Queens <laughs> no one's gonna stay in Queens no 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 no. I mean it depends. that's not how yeah. this works all right yeah but there's some yeah there's some excellent parts of Queens that you wouldn't even think was New York City uh, True. honest to goodness
0: okay so so that's where Russell's from mm-hmm. so Russell is a little bit older than Rick and he was a very pivotal figure in the start of hip-hop and before we even get like farther into it we have to acknowledge I want to just get this out of the way with Russell Uh, yeah, he's been accused of rape and then he fled the country and went to a place where there's no extradition treaty with the United States. (laughs) That's, I'm, we got to say it. uh, I wasn't there. I don't know exactly what happened, but we can't just act like that. That hasn't happened.
1: Right. Is he there right now?
0: Uh, I believe so. I believe he's in Bali. (laughs) (laughs) So, so we had to say that, but we're talking about Dev Jam. We're talking about how this all came together. We can't tell the story of Dev Jam without telling the story of Russell. It's just impossible. Mm -hmm. So Russell was a huge figure in the start of hip hop and becoming like you know, like a business. Because it was hip hop was something that grew out of the streets. Yeah. And there were no like we were saying, there weren't hip hop record labels. There weren't it wasn't like a commercial thing. Like it was just something that people were doing on the street. And Russell kind of became like a manager of a bunch of different artists and he kind of was like had the business sense of be like okay something is clearly happening here mm-hmm. we need to kind of legitimize it we need to be able to make this a business yeah. in a way right yeah. so he i mean i know he managed like curtis blow yes who had like one of the first rap songs ever recorded i believe
1: yeah i mean there were people before curtis blow i believe he was uh, he he's one of few solo acts back in the day because remember it was like right. Grandmaster Flash and the Furious 5 and then it was like the Treacherous 3 and it was but he was like he stood alone Curtis Blow by himself and it's like it's it's crazy that he's basically somebody that nobody talks about now but he yeah. is pr- basically he's pretty These much all the brakes yeah you know uh, everybody every rapper wants to be crowned king of New York at one point in time and Curtis Blow was definitely a king of New York at one point
0: True, and Russell managed him. Yes, and that not okay. So who else? Did Russell made before Def Jam. Russell also managed Run DMC. Yeah, who which, his brothers part of?
1: Right, his um, brothers.
0: Houdini, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's got to be other ones.
1: Yeah, there are definitely other ones. Um, and uh, that I don't. But it was other groups, and Run DMC was one of the main ones that he was managing, and um, just wanted I forgot who else it was, but it's somebody that even back then I didn't know who it was. I forgot the name. Sorry, person.
0: Sorry, guy. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So Russell was like, he was, he was really making shit happen. Yeah. As far as hip hop, and it's like this is what I've read, at, you know, doing research about it, is like Rick knew who Russell was, because obviously Rick was into hip hop, and mm-hmm. like Russell was basically the face of hip hop at the time. Yeah. Because the way that that it, it was, like I read it, is Rick was basically saying like, if you were trying to put on a hip hop show in New York city, you had to talk to Russell. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he was like a driving force before Def Jam. Yeah. So then at the same time, so then Rick, you know, they, they didn't know each other. Right. So you have Russell over here doing his thing. Like he's all in the business of music, making, trying to make, you know, hip hop into a business. Yeah. And then you have Rick over here who's just all about the music. And so Rick literally started Def Jam in his dorm room and he's making beats and shit. And the record that really made him, like, people notice him was It's Yours. Yeah. By, what was T La Rock? Something like that? Yeah. Yeah. And I only knew that song before because I knew that Nas sampled it. Yeah. It's yours. You know what I mean? I knew it from that. But I didn't realize how big of a deal that single was.
1: Yeah. For what
0: came out of it.
1: Right, exactly. Because I didn't know the song either. Like, you know, um, with, like, Def Jam, like, the artists that I know are, like, Technically younger, like you know what I'm saying, you know. And I didn't know like T I'm um, but I did know that that was the sample, and I still to this day have never heard that song that full song.
0: I didn't hear it until yesterday, <laughs> like, like looking up research for this, I'm like, I should listen to it. And it's clearly a, a Def Jam beat, yeah, like it's clearly an 80s Def Jam beat, okay. you know what I mean. Um, but it's cool the way that it happened. So, some uh, what was it, it was DJ Jazzy J was made that happen because he knew rick somehow i think yeah and he knew tila rock
1: right yeah it's like a i feel like it's just one of those things where there are only so so many places that you can go to hear some hip-hop in the city right Right. so there's only so many faces that you're gonna see after right. a while you know and because it's such a small market you could shoot up very quickly to the right, main right. guy like you just had to get in like i remember simple things just like writing magazines and i wrote like my mom was a news editor and i was like oh i want to write this caribbean article so i can get free tickets to this concert and it just goes like that
0: Ah, uh, okay yeah, that yeah, it yeah. just
1: snowballs after so i feel like that was there because i know well, I mean, Russell Nem's father was a reverend, so I don't know. But I'm pretty sure, like, a reverend in a neighborhood knows everybody. So was so. the guy
0: in Run DMC. He was a reverend, right?
1: <laughs> uh. so I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how Russell was able to, like, get his hustle on. Because, you know, like, the preacher's yeah, yeah, kid yeah. and the teacher's kid, they're always, like, True. little mayors in a way, you know?
0: They're little politicians. Yes. They know everybody. Yes. So, okay, so they put out... Uh, so Rick Rubin put out um, It's Yours with Tila Rock. So something that I re- learned about this and was actually super interesting. So this is be- like the first Def Jam release. And literally, like the this is before they had any kind of distribution deal or anything, the address that was on the Def Jam like sleeve was Rick's dorm room.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: So that record was a big deal because it- nothing really sounded exactly like it before that. So one of the young people that heard that record and wanted to get involved with this was a young man by the name of ll cool j
1: who i also had a crush on
0: <laughs> i mean who does it right
1: i love LL Cool J. <laughs> hey
0: ladies love cool j you know but so 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 ll literally mailed him a demo tape to his dorm room yeah because he didn't know because it's like think about it, like if you just see like oh def jam records you don't know who this is you're just like, oh, Def Jam, this is a great song. You just send it. You don't know that it's going to a dorm room. You don't yeah, know anything. No, no. You're no, just like, yeah. oh, I'm going to send him my demo. Yeah. So you know what I, What else? Is something I realized uh, doing research for this, something that was really interesting. Guess who Rick's friend was that would listen to all the demos? Who? Ad, Ad Rock. Rock.
1: I, I. That just came out of my mouth. It's always Ad Rock. That's it's why. It's always Ad Rock. It's always him.
0: So I don't know exactly. Ad Rock from the Beastie Boys, if you all don't know. So I don't know exactly how Rick and Ad Rock met.
1: I mean, yeah, because these guys are from the city and Rick's from out there. Yeah. Like I said, it's just like a, it's a thing. You just end up gravitating towards each other. I'm pretty right. sure if like if we were in that small thing and there were only like two other Caribbean girls from like Brooklyn, like I would probably find my way towards them. Like, right. You right. Know what I
0: mean, things would have brought you together at some point.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: So, so yeah, so basically, Ad Rock would be chilling with Rick in his dorm room, aka Def Jam Headquarters, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he would listen to all the demo tapes, and he heard LL's demo tape and was just like, yo, Rick check this fucking kid out. (laughs) You know what I mean? So he, so Ad Rock is directly responsible for LL being signed to Def Jam. Yeah. Which I think is crazy. Yeah. I think that's really cool.
1: And that was, uh, if I could say that was like one of the best things that that was meant to be. First of all, he just left Def Jam just quote unquote like LL. Like, you know, when, when Jay-Z came over, like, uh, like LL Cool J was so, Huge and he was so and sexy. Right. And then so (laughs) young and fresh and like confident. And then also yes. funny. Yeah. Very, very funny. He was only funny. 17. He yes. was only
0: 17 when he sent this demo to Rick.
1: Absolutely. And you could see, he was just a baby. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, there were so many things about LL. LL is like the first 50 Cent. And it's no uh, coincidence that they're both, they're both from Queens. It's probably like a thing. Mm, but you know how 50 Cent kind of like trolls people and he's mischievous. <laughs> and stuff. LL was like, like that. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, so it was yeah. funny all the time. I mean, they were... He was a he was a mystery too because he had the hat on his head all the time so people would be like he's got five lumps on his forehead. He's bald and he's only 19. Like, that's funny. There are so many things but what a great act LL was. Um there was a versus the other day between KRS-One and um Big Daddy Kane and they were saying to how oh uh they one of them should have battled LL and I was just like it's eh. that's not going to happen. <laughs> LL could have stopped That versus could have happened and LL could have stopped in 1990. And would have destroyed them. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? And the whole crowd would have went crazy. Yeah, like,
0: you that's know. so true. But what a great artist I was going to knock you was. out. Oh, my gosh. Don't it, call it a comeback. Like that, it, I've been here for years. When
1: that came out, it was his comeback. Yeah, like, yeah, he had yeah. been gone for so long. And then he came back and he was huge. And huge. people were like,
0: what? Jacked. Yeah. Knocking motherfuckers out.
1: Yeah. LL was great. What the F? I thought I conquered the world. cried <laughs> What? Crush Moe D. Hamlet and Ice-T's girl. Like, that is the biggest joke ever. That's hilarious.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no. LL is great, and we'll we'll talk more about him as we go on. Obviously, right? But this all so so many things happen from that. It's it's yours record. LL saw it, sent the the um yeah the demo to Rick, and became huge. And somebody else that saw that record was Russell. Yep. So Russell knew DJ Jazzy J, who made the record with Rick. Yeah. And he heard that, and he was just like, "Yo, you got to introduce me to this guy." Yeah. Because he knew right away. Because Russell is the business guy. He's not. We were talking about this um, a few days ago. He's not like the music guy. No. But he's got an eye for talent.
1: Right. His voice can be heard on some records way back in the day and stuff like that. Just like saying stuff. But he's not.
0: Like the Diddy Roll.
1: Right. But he's not trying to be all up in your videos.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But no. So that's what I'm saying. It's just really cool because Russell was not the music guy, but he knew who was. Like he could recognize it. Yeah. And he heard that record and was like whoever made this this is what I, I gotta get involved with this would you say
1: Russell had an ear for talent
0: <laughs> I would say he had an ear and an eye for talent okay because okay so he was like yo I gotta meet this guy and this this also made me laugh so so they set up a meeting jay uh, jazzy J set up the meeting with with Rick and Russell and Russell was like Holy shit, these beats were so fire I couldn't believe it was a white dude. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 they met and like obviously I guess they just hit it off or whatever. They I mean obviously Rick's passion for music must have just shown shown through. Yeah. So they ended up going back to the dorm room, and Rick shows Russell the beats that he's been working on. And Russell is like, these are all hits. <laughs> like, this is crazy. Like, this kid is, like, 18 in a dorm room making fucking hits. Like, these are bangers. <laughs> and Russell was already... So, like like we said, he was already, like, a big deal in hip-hop. Like, yeah. he was, like... Like, Rick knew who he was. Yes. And he was a couple years older than him. And, you know, when you're, like, 18, like, a five-year age gap is kind of a lot. Oh, yeah. So, oh, Rick yeah. was like, oh, my God, I can't believe, like, Russell wants to, like, be a part of this. You right. know what I mean? So, he was so happy to have that. And Russell is just, like... This kid this kid is the truth. You know you know what I mean? He he was dealing with other labels like managing other bands and shit yeah. or crews or whatever you want to call them. But when he met Rick, he was just like this is where I need to focus my energy on. Yeah. Like this is something special. Right. You know what I mean? And it all started from, really, from that record. If they didn't put that record out, they they, they wouldn't have met the same. LL wouldn't have got involved. And, in, you know, all, yeah. so, many, so much shit that did happen wouldn't necessarily have happened like that.
1: Yeah, and it was always a good combination. Like, seeing them together and their energy that played off each other was always refreshing and good. Like, it, it was it was good to see. And it was, you know, we're going to get down the line and talk about them more. But them together was Def Jam in a lot mm-hmm. of people's eyes. It mm-hmm. was Rick and Russell because I mean, what a combination. You know what I'm saying? You got Rick with the shades looking incognito. You got Russell who you knows about the business. And like when they put out the movie. And the promotion. Yeah. And the promotion. Yeah. So it's just like, oh, you see that as Def Jam.
0: Right, right. So, so that, ha- I don't remember what year that was. It was, it was still early eighties. Very early. So they, so now they're like, okay, so now Russell's a part of it. Now you got Rick and you got Russell and now like they just they just really they just went for it and it's crazy how quickly well i guess because because hip-hop was such a small culture at the time they went they got to the top within like a year oh yeah i mean and they're still this is all out of rick's dorm room yeah like it's crazy um and who was first to have a record on def jam was it ll or was it the beastie boys
1: Well, uh, they were with L. I mean, with Russell. So I would say them. I would say it's the Beastie Boys before LL, right? Because they were like actually with uh, Rick, right? They were like Rick's act. So um, the first record, I don't know. Let's Google it. No, I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, we got encyclopedias in our minds.
1: Yeah, it. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say LL. Yeah. I'm gonna go with him.
0: Yeah, and this was another interesting story that I heard and it's like, it's like the di- the difference between like, like how a rich person thinks and a poor person thinks. Cause I heard a story that one of like LL's first music videos, he showed up wearing like all this jewelry and shit. <laughs>
1: his his heroes were like grandmaster flash and Melly mel and stuff yeah, like yeah. that so if you think about the way they used to dress yeah ll showed up like that with like die-high boots and everything
0: mm-hmm. so like we have a young like 18 year old ll who's just like trying to stunt he shows up wearing all this jewelry the big chains and the rings and shit and no Ruben... he's wearing
1: like leather and like a grandmaster look he's looking like uh almost like africa bombada you know what I'm saying? Like he might as well have had a long feather on his ear. He probably yeah. got leather and like almost looking like an urban cowboy. That's yeah. how
0: LL showed up. Well, the, what they were saying in this story that I heard is that for one music video, he showed up with just like all blinged out, just everything. Okay. And Rick was just like, don't wear that. Rick was like Why do you need that Yeah And LL was like Well I want people to know I'm doing good (laughs) And Rick was just kind of like You do good enough You don't need that shit Yeah You know what I mean Yeah And that was like a story And, And apparently LL was so like Adamant that he wanted to wear All his jewelry He went up to Russell And was like Yo Russell what the fuck Like Rick doesn't want me Wearing this shit And Russell was just like Listen to Rick (laughs) like rick knows what he's talking about
1: yeah and that became a nice a good image for ll because that's all you think about he had i i think about old school ll cool j with like a polo shirt Mm -hmm. jeans a Kango, and just like one rope chain when bigger and deffer came out though he had like (laughs) the two (laughs) he had the four finger rings he had to have that on but he he wasn't all jeweled up never he was kind of it's not clean cut, but hip-hop clean cut, if yeah, you could yeah, yeah. say. Yeah, so I guess he did listen to Rick. But
0: I just thought that was really interesting. Because And then now he says, he's like, looking back, Rick was totally right.
1: Yeah, because, well, he just seems like an excessive guy because he shows up for the audition with the whole Grandmaster Flash outfit. And then yeah, Russell's yeah. like, hell no. And then he shows up for his video with all the chains and stuff. It just seems like that's his personality, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know?
0: So, so LL put out his record. It was huge. And then... Okay, so we got to talk about the Beastie Boys. So, the Beastie Boys, I think one of them was from Manhattan. The other two were from Brooklyn, something like that. Yeah, definitely all from the city, though. They're all from the city. They they met up with Rick, and they were, they were a punk band. Yeah. Again, kind of similar to Rick. Like, they were a straight-up punk band. Yeah. But they were around, and they were... I don't want to say in the streets necessarily, but they were around. They knew what was going on. They yeah. knew about hip hop. Yeah. And they fucking loved it. And they kind of, it was the same thing. Like they're, they kind of recognize like hip hop and punk rock. It's like one of the same. So they kind of like started like expanding and like going into hip hop a little more. Mm-hmm. And, and then their first record licensed to ill, mm-hmm. I believe what number one. Mm-hmm. And this is something I didn't know until recently they kept... I thought that maybe, like, Rick, like, once this all got big, like, he... I didn't even know that he finished college. Like, in my head, I was just like, oh, like, you're running a record label? Fuck that. What do you need college for? <laughs> but apparently, he stayed and finished college while this is all happening. And this entire time, Def Jam Records headquarters was in his dorm room until he graduated. Yeah. So, literally, they're making number one records out of this man's dorm room. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking insane.
1: It is insane, but that's New York radio for you. You know what I mean? Or lots of radio. You climb the charts and you're still broke. You know, there's many, many artists. Like, even Mary J. Blige was like, Real Love was on the radio and I was still walking up the hill to the projects. Like, it's just crazy. But that's just how it happens. I'm glad he finished college because... Telling from him And his personality Is probably around A lot of naysayers You know what I mean Like what you gonna do You gonna run a record label That's what you You know what I mean So not only that He proved them wrong With that But then he got his degree So he could pretty much stunt on those same motherfuckers, like, you know?
0: I'm just saying, like, that's low-key, so genius. Yeah. Like, that's that's genius level something to pull off. Like, you're literally founding a record label that... You're putting out number one records. Like, mm-hmm. first of all, how many people ever can say that you founded a record label with a record that went to number one? Right. Not many people. Right. So he did all of that while still taking classes and still doing well enough to graduate. Yeah. Like, that's insane. Yeah. That blew my mind. I didn't know that until recently.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's definitely... Oh, one for the books that Rick Rubin but I know he did that it had to be because he's like I'm probably gonna end up in rooms with a bunch of like really intellectual people yeah and the first thing they ask you when you try to prove a point that's against somebody else's point where'd you go to school <laughs> <laughs> nowhere
0: no Florida state <laughs> um yeah so so it's really it's just really cool about having because again like before def jam hip-hop was A very local thing but then now you got a number one record in the nation yeah so clearly this is bigger than it was before Def GM got their their hands on it if you will yeah you know what I mean like they really took it from like a local street level kind of thing into business
1: yeah it's super super local and uh, yeah anybody uh, (laughs) you know sometimes like uh, new york people have like an arrogant mind and then a lot of us were like if you came before def jam like who are you like you know (laughs) what i mean (laughs) like that is dinosaur music like we thought like that you know almost to the point where even like if you were run dmc that was too far back like you know what i mean just like that's interesting like like yeah because like but no offense but because i'm just speaking from a young person's mind state right like a person in school say it By the time people like Nas and DMX came out, didn't nobody want to hear about No Run DMC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody wanted to hear about that. Like, honest to goodness. They had a song where they had some type of resurgence in, like, 91. Uh, I think Pete Rock and CL Smooth remixed uh, Down With The King. And uh, that was good, Mm -hmm. but but that was about it. Like, Run Run was already irreverent. He was already going the other way. And that was back in the day where if you if you lasted like three four years you You were were like a legend exactly exactly because so think about it like by the time it was 91 you're talking about run dmc who started in what 84 maybe like maybe even before before that that. in the 70s and stuff there with each other and stuff but when they became like super super solid and came under the def jam label you think like by the time 91 came they were already played out And you think about that with somebody like Jay-Z, who's been around since, like, 95, 94. Right. And it's 2021. Right. And Jay-Z's technically not played out. Like, you know what I mean?
0: Debatable. Yeah, well... <laughs> well, well numbers-wise, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, you um, know what
1: I'm saying? People still consider him you know, somebody worth talking about. And like, and like kids that are rappers today will rate him. Like, you know what I'm saying? They'll Mm -hmm. have his album and be like, oh yeah, this is one of my, you know, this is one of my good songs. But like in 1991, you didn't have like the Run DMC albums. Like this is a lyricist, right? Like, you know what I mean? Right.
0: Well, this is, I mean, we did an episode on Biggie lately and it's like, in my head, it's like the era of Run and the era of Biggie never crossed <laughs> you know what i mean and we're not talking about a long time in between no we're talking about mid 80s to early 90s yeah. and it's like the whole culture was completely different
1: yeah because i mean i put run dmc in like 84 85 that's when it was like marketing huge it's yeah, yeah. like the logo like i just had on a shirt yesterday broadway dance center made a t-shirt after run dmc's logo you know what i'm saying (laughs) so that like fruity pebbles had rope chains and barney was rapping like that's that was run dmc the hats with the gazelles and the rope chain and the adidas yeah that's like 84 85 so that's when i want to see i want to say that they like peaked and they were like a worldwide phenomenon so they pretty much in my mind lasted from like 84 85 to like 1990 like that's Mm -hmm. not long at all
0: well it was interesting um I was, you know, obviously doing a lot of research on this. And so we got to talk about one specific song, one specific collaboration. Yeah. That really launched all of this even way further than it was before. Yes. Because... Rick was a big fan of, like, 70s hard rock. Yeah. Which you can tell in, like... You listen to the first Beastie Boys album. We talked about this in the Zeppelin episode. I listened to it last night. There's, like, 12 fucking Zeppelin samples. It's wild. The first song is literally a mashup of a Zeppelin sample and a Black Sabbath sample. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. So so Rick took Run DMC, and he was like, you know what would be really cool is if you guys did a song with this other band that I really like that's kind of down on their luck right now. (laughs) And what was that band? Aerosmith. Yeah. So they, I mean, that video as far, I mean, that was before my time, but as far as I understand it, like that video really broke down a lot of barriers as far as rap becoming more, even more mainstream. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because now you got like one of the biggest bands from before Kind of boosting them, almost like endorsing them in a way. Yeah. And then Run DMC kind of endorsing them back. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And it just
0: brought it to an even larger commercial level.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's uh, it, that song is like a catch-22 or something like that. Because that m- began... Aerosmith's re resurgence
0: and Run and Run
1: DMC was yeah. going lower and lower and lower. Yeah. I mean, the song is cool and everything, but my Run D my favorite Run DMC songs are songs that have no collaboration. Like Rock Box is yeah. amazing. Like you know, they've just got so many songs that are rock and roll inspired. Mm-hmm. You know that that were to me better than Walk This Way. But I do love both bands. I love Run DMC and I love Aerosmith as well. But um, they consider that a pop record and they didn't even want, uh, Run DMC to really make it like, yeah. you know, uh, Russell really was like, mm, I don't
0: know. And Run was like, mm. but Rick,
1: Rick was, like, was <laughs> like,
0: no, 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 no. Let <laughs> me tell you something. This is going to be huge. Yeah. And he's fucking right. Yeah. He was fucking right. You know what else is crazy? I was thinking about this. Like, I mean, we all, we obviously mentioned earlier, like what's going on with Russell now. I haven't heard anybody t- say anything bad about Rick Rubin ever
1: no i mean you know
0: maybe like oh he didn't work so hard on this album as opposed to other albums but nobody's <laughs> you know what i mean nobody's been like rick is a shitty person well, i've he's never really heard that
1: trying to make waves he's like trying to go home like you know what i mean he's there yeah. in the cut and stuff like that but he's not uh trying to date every supermodel from long island
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you know
1: what i mean it's just like calm down <laughs> yeah there's a lot for everybody so that's probably why well russell was always you know he was the the guy the face so he was always in your face in the club with the weed and the alcohol and the drugs and the you know so yeah. he was
0: he was it wild is, it is interesting i want to talk uh touch on something that you brought up earlier like their dynamic is like yeah clearly like russell's all like promoting like yeah we're doing this we're doing that blah 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 like he was very like extroverted yeah and then rick is just kind of like doing yeah. his own thing. Yeah. And that it is really like a good dynamic. Yeah. like to have. It's just even like watch them interact.
1: Yeah, cuz it wasn't know? like Rick was a total wallflower. He was very present and you know confident too, but it was a great dynamic because it was like one was too much and the other one was not a lot. So it was just like it was cool and you liked them both, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um then they, what topic are you top, uh, going to cover <laughs> next? I'm like talking over my words. Then they did the movie.
0: Yeah. Crush Groove. Yeah. They did the yeah.
1: movie, which was awesome.
0: Yeah. I don't know where that falls chronologically. Was that before the Beastie Boys album and stuff? Like, I don't really... That movie
1: came out in 84. So I'm just going to say Okay. I know
0: License to It was 86. Yeah. So that was before.
1: A little bit after. Yeah. They, were, they came a little bit after that. But uh, what I found crazy about that, it's like, Def Jam was only in business for such a small time Mm -hmm. but it was so important and so great that just like a couple years later like these people were still stars they decided to make a movie about it and it was a huge movie like i couldn't believe it was actually their lives because those people were still like moguls and Mm -hmm. you know it was very interesting like that's
0: that's it's kind of like we were saying it's like hip-hop was so small at the time that it was I'm not gonna say it's never easy to rise to the top of anything yeah but when you have a smaller pond it's easier to be a big fish right yeah so it's like yeah they they came up so quick it's like it only took like a year or two later it's like yeah these guys are cute these guys are legends you know what I mean they had already done things and brought hip hop to a place that it had never been before yes that it's like they're all you already know that they're making history
1: right you know isn't that crazy I mean I'm
0: pretty sure License to Ill was the first hip hop number one yeah Yes,
1: yes, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's so crazy to think about because, like, there's no way, like, we were talking in the Biggie episode about, like, bad boy records and shit. There's no way that they, that could have been, I feel like without Def Jam, like, that would have been so much harder to do. Yeah. You know?
1: Because so many people were on Def Jam. Oh, my gosh. So many, like, they just had, like... Uh, Def Jam was, like, the Wu-Tang Clan of record labels. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, everybody was on Def Jam, and it was such a a vast, different... Like I said, like, I, I mark things from, like, Run DMC. So somebody, like, Run DMC and then, like, EPMD, they're so different. But EPMD said we wanted to be Run DMC. That's why we're named mm-hmm. like that, and that's why our logo looks like that. But that formula of, like, two MCs and a turntable guy, like... Uh, Def Jam did that to death and whoever they cranked out, it was still great. You know what I'm saying? You had third base who came like 1990 they were like, um, MC search and Pete nice. And like, even some of those people that Def Jam signed ended up signing bigger people. Cause MC search signed Nas, like, you know what I mean? Mm. So it's just like, the payback the payback was really cool with def jam but the 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 variety of artists that they had was just
0: crazy. speaking of variety i mean slayer was on def jam yeah. during this time like that's wild
1: yeah that's insane and
0: we actually did we actually did a reaction video to one of their songs yeah. and i didn't even think about it at the time i was like oh this is a def jam recording it's crazy <laughs> like that's wild yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah. everybody was on def jam my goodness my cool label Um, I never used the word "deaf" though, as a slang word. Oh, that shit is "deaf." I never used that. "Deaf jam." That to me was an old word. Right. Like it was words that Run DMC used. Like you know what I mean? It was corny. Yes, it was. It was just played out by then. You know, we said things like "it's dope." Like you know, by then we were saying "dope," and "dope" has lasted so many decades. Like you know what I mean? Nobody says "deaf."
0: that's true oh and then also real quick i just have to say this about run dmc is it just me or is dmc so much cooler than run i always thought he looked so much cooler i just thought i thought his style was cooler i don't know that might be controversial Um, i don't know know. (laughs)
1: uh i liked run a lot because to me run was cuter and a lot more like all your face and stuff so i was super young so i liked that um dmc Said he was cool like that because he was smoking a lot of weed. He said that's that's what made him cool. And now he doesn't smoke weed, so now he's kind of different.
0: That's interesting. But
1: I, I, I that look that DMC had, I always saw that as trouble. Like really? I did not like the gazelles with the low and, haircut. Like to me that meant trouble. And now I'm watching the series on stars and like the drug dealers from those days, that's how they dress. With the low waves, the oh. rat tail, the gazelles. And then the dope man sneakers. Like I, I once I saw those glasses, I used to be like. But I liked DMC though. You yeah, know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. I liked him. But out in the streets and stuff, those kids no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, and this is like everything that we talked about is only over the course of like two to three years. Yeah. Right. Which is also crazy. I mean, so I think '86 was licensed to ill and walk this way. Yeah. And then. How much longer was Rick even with the company?
1: Not too long because Leor came like
0: Lior right Cohen, away. Right? Cohen, right? Yeah, Leor yeah, Cohen yeah.
1: came right away, basically. He was like, it was like, I don't, uh, no offense to Rick, you know, cause everybody loves Rick, but I don't even remember when Rick left. Like, I, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't, I don't. All of a sudden it was just Russell by himself. And then all of a sudden it was like that guy, Leor Cohen. And it was just like, wait, who? Like, and then you didn't really care because it, it's it's interesting just the way Def Jam was going was just, was the reaction in the streets. Like you didn't really care who was at Def Jam because you were looking at other acts on different labels. Like Wu-Tang was blowing up.
0: right? uh,
1: Bad Boy was coming out of the, you know what I'm saying? Well, Diddy was doing stuff with Uptown MCA. You had kind of like a hip hop and R&B mix, the New Jack Swing. You had Teddy Riley. So nobody was really checking for who's at Def Jam and all that stuff like that. But that is how it happened. Rick jumped ship and was like, I'm super talented and I could do this on my own basically
0: yeah and the way that I understood it is that Russell was gone he wasn't in New York a lot because he was like these people that he was managing he would be like on the road with them and stuff Mm -hmm. so he brought in Lior to to handle more of the business operations right so then you got like basically like a a newcomer Mm -hmm. and he's coming in and he's trying to say how things should be done and Rick is kind of just like I don't know man I think I can do this. I don't think, I don't think I need you for this. Right. So he leaves and he starts Jeff jam American recordings or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then we're, I mean, this isn't just, just a Rick Rubin episode. We could easily do a whole episode on Rick Rubin. But then after that, he starts producing for like Johnny Cash and he starts doing so much other shit, like just outside of hip hop that it's actually crazy. Mm -hmm. Like Rick Rubin has to be the most legendary producer that's still alive. Yeah. Um, I feel like him or Quincy Jones is like the only people that could like. Yeah,
1: that will. Yeah, well, I yeah, I I would say Quincy Jones would surpass Rick Rubin. I don't know. But Qu- like, who
0: else is even in the conversation? Um, <laughs> you know what? Like honestly.
1: Um, like I don't as far know. as
0: impact on on music on yeah, culture yeah, yeah, on, on influence. Culture. Like,
1: no, 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 no. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I try to find somebody. I was gonna say. um... No. No, I was gonna say somebody else, but it's just like no, it doesn't. um... No, I would have to know all the other acts that he produced. But yeah, Quincy Jones Quincy Jones is as neck and neck with Rick Rubin, I would say, definitely.
0: Yeah. But it's just it's just crazy that it just all started from a frickin' dorm room. Like they literally said that he like moved all of his desks, like all the desks and all the furniture together in the dorm room to just have like this huge audio setup that he barely even had like room for his bed. Yeah. (laughs) And his his roommate was like where are you going to study, man?
1: I just want to say, this is not a plug for this school. My mom and my uncle went there, but I don't know anybody that left NYU and is not doing well.
0: Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I mean, it's a good school. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the not breeding. easy to get to. Right. It's, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah.
1: breeding, too, besides just, you know what I'm saying? It's the successful mindset that you're left with after you've left that school, because that's what it seems like. There's so many people I know that have gone to that school, and so many different forms like medicine, English, music, all that stuff, and they yeah. all do well. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't even know. It's just like it's just so it's it's hard to overstate the impact that Def Jam had yeah. on hip hop as a business. Yeah. And is and as is yeah, and for it to be like a cultural phenomenon mm-hmm. because again it existed before hip-hop was around before Def Jam, but Def Jam made it be, like, even, like, your grandpa knows what rap music is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They might not necessarily like it, but they are aware of it now. Yeah. And that's just, like, it's impossible to overstate that. I mean, that's literally, like, I I don't even know, like, um, I'm trying to think of, like, an example of, like, something else, like, even close to the impact of it. I guess, like, Motown, as far as, like, for like R&B and like soul. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Oh yeah. But Motown it's like changed
0: everything. That it's it's just wild how like one label can do that. Yeah. You know with Motown, with Def Jam, and we'll do a Motown episode for sure. Yeah. It's just crazy how like one organization or even like two individuals yeah can have such a long lasting impact
1: yeah and then bringing out those impactful artists as well because if we go down the line you know let's go a couple of years down the line and def jam signs well def Jam doesn't really sign jay-z jay-z walks in the door with about 100 grand yeah, yeah, yeah. and enters an apartment partnership partnership with def jam and then we got dmx I'm the president now exactly People like DMX, you know what I'm saying? Huge acts that just, like, made such an impact and are legends today. (laughs) It's insane. Rick Ross. And then you have, like, people who you consider, like, the best lyricists, best Brooklyn lyricists to me. I may not like what his personal life is about. It's, like, fabulous. You know what I'm saying? That's Mm. a lyricist, like, motherfucker. And I'm just like, wow, he's on Def Jam, too? Of course he is. Like, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah uh foxy brown was on def jam as well another brooklyn rapper you know a lot of people that you know kind of paved the way in a way i'm not saying she paved the way for female rappers but at the time when she came out um she and little kim style was a new style of rap for females you know mm-hmm. where it's like you had salt and pepper before that were super girly but they were still kind of like hood chicks but like Foxy and like little Kim came through and were like, no, we're going to buy like five, $800 shoes. And (laughs) if you don't buy them too, then you're broke. Like, you know what I mean? It was a whole different style of rapper that came out. And like Foxy Brown was one of those uh, pioneers for female rap, the way it is today over on Def Jam. Um, there's so many other artists and I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? You're going to miss out. I mean, Rihanna's on Def Jam at some point, like rock nation, Rockefeller kind of island Def Jam. She was on that. And then Def Jam went international. Like,
0: you know what I mean? Yeah. It's crazy. As you do.
1: Yes. When you're making tons of money. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but yeah that classic like the classic like eight whatever 82 to like 86 period of def jam is just so legendary oh yeah oh my
1: gosh oh my gosh i feel like rapping like ll right now his, his <laughs> ll's rhymes used to be so great first of all they were like easy to recite you know they went here and there and then they were like funny you know, yeah. so so that was one of the great things about one of those artists like that like is like a pioneer on a label. It's like you you know why he mm-hmm. was like one of the greatest things and his career has like transcended decades. Like Yeah. He could put out I'm not saying he could put out a record today, but oh, scratch that. Never mind. <laughs> he did a freestyle just the scratch other day it. and I was pissed.
0: <laughs> I was pissed. What do you mean you were pissed?
1: I was like s t f u l l.
0: Oh. <laughs> talking about he here
1: first feeling like an animal in a cage they got him locked down really on the set of csi you locked down that sounds like
0: something we say before at the <laughs> intro to one of our songs exactly you can't check out our music you wherever you see music sign after dark s-i-g-h-t <laughs> subscribe to the music maniacs patreon if you like the podcast because uh, we're broke <laughs>
1: <laughs> well yeah just a great label and you know um I'm really partial to the city of New York. So, lots of like, you know, just very influential New Yorkers who like came out and like went ahead and did things that like now everybody's like inspired to do which is like Mm -hmm. crazy like just me as a musician it's like i look to those people it's just like and those are the people that you could see in the neighborhood like you know what i'm saying yeah that was another thing too like when def jam was fairly young or like you know in the 90s or something like that you could see those people because you all went to the same things you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying so let's say hip-hop community there are like a couple of the things you go to the year, that year in New York City. Now, not anymore, because hip hop is super, super international. When right. it was smaller like that, there's a couple of things in a city you went to. Let's say you went to Jacob Javits Center, they had the car show. Everybody went to that. All the rappers, because they want to buy cars too. And then like the nobody people, like all the fans and stuff, you just went to it because it was an event at 34th Street and you were old enough to take the train by yourself and it was mm. a Saturday and you just went out with your friends and you would see different rappers there. That or something like Greek fest you go out to Long Island and there'll be like a huge picnic for all the colleges and you would go there and all the rappers would go there too because
0: right because that's where the party was at
1: exactly exactly so that it was super local back in those days but now it's like you know millionaires have other places to party now (laughs) yes
0: they're a little further out on the island
1: (laughs) exactly
0: um but one of the things that I I take away from from Def Jam and just like that that classic era is just like all that mattered, all that really mattered was the music. Yeah. Like, they weren't signing people based on a look. No. You know what I mean? They were like, do you have it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, LL had it. Run DMC, they had it. And the Beastie Boys had it, even though they were doing a different thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, nobody... Like, the only reason the Beastie Boys were successful is because they were authentic. Yes. Like, if if they were just, like, trying to be, like, these other fucking rappers it would be lame. Yeah. But that's just not what they were trying to do. They no, were just no. wild fucking kids. No. <laughs> and they were yes. just doing wild shit. Like, and it
1: sold really well. Like I, I have my first images of them in their first videos, you know, walking into like the, the, the shot of the camera and then like me wanting to laugh right away.
0: Yeah. They were just goofy. Like, yes. They never tried to act like they were these cool fucking, cause they weren't. Right. And if they tried to do that, it wouldn't connect with people. Exactly. But they were just being themselves. Yeah. And that in, in, I mean in music it really in life like authenticity is what's going to make you connect with people. Yeah. And that was just never their problem. And like nobody on Def Jam during that era was trying to be anybody else. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: everybody, all the talents were so different. We got to shout out Slick Rick, who is like one of the greatest storytellers ever. I was just listening to the adventures of Slick Rick at the beginning of the summer. You know, I, just, I had to pull it out and I was just like, I need yeah. to hear this again. Some really great songs on that album. And I mean, <laughs> he himself was being himself. Like everybody had like a similar formula. But they all had their different styles. I mean, Slick Rick's chains were are legendary, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. at one point he was picking up his hands, and I remember my brother was like, "How he even pick his arms up? Like the way he's like talking." But that was like, how do you go to the bathroom with all that shit on? <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> hey, you just pee your pants, no big deal. With all this money, nobody's going to (laughs) notice.
1: Yeah, that classic. You know, it's crazy because, like, when we did the, uh, we decided that we were going to do this topic and stuff like that. And like I pulled up Def Jam and some of the the titles were like the rise and fall of Def Jam, Mm -hmm. like how Def Jam fell, this, 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 that. But when you mentioned just now like that classic era Def Jam, it's like that's the only way I think about Def Jam. I really don't think of them as like Fallen or anything, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like they did what they were supposed to do.
0: I mean, they're cemented in history.
1: Yeah. Like that's it.
0: Like if you talk about the history of hip hop, there's no way you can tell the story. Without talking about Dev Jam. right. It's just not possible.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be like saying the fall of Motown. It's like how it's still
0: they're still there, right? You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying?
1: You still call it Motown music. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know
0: what is interesting though, and you probably you probably didn't think about this at the time because you were saying like you didn't even think about like when Rick was gone. Yeah. But when the decline happened, is definitely after L- Rick left. <laughs> it's just <laughs> totally. like it's just like. <laughs> It's just like Rick was just so clearly like he just got it. Like it's just so, so hard to under like it's so hard to put into words. Like sometimes you just meet certain people and you're just like you fucking got it. Yeah. Like whatever <laughs> it is that you're doing, like this is this is something else. Right. And Rick was clearly that guy. Yeah. And he's continued to be that guy. Yes. I mean he's what we like we said he's produced for just so many artists at this point. It's not it's not just hip hop. It's not just Slayer metal. It's everything that you could ever think of yeah he just clearly understands music
1: he really does and you know what's funny about that when when it was clear that rick wasn't just about hip-hop anymore it's like i felt kind of sad it's like oh uh, really we, yeah because it's like we well of course you know as an adult and uh, or as a professional i'm like good for him of course he yeah, needs yeah. To you do don't want to be
0: in that box right yeah, but yeah. like
1: it's like a fan i'm just like oh rick is for everybody now like our rick is gone like you know he's flying off into the distance that's interesting yeah because he was like it's one of those kind of like local things you know what i'm saying it's like how people like the band before they blow up it's like one of those things you know and it was just like oh rick is gone it was great and we'll remember you forever but yeah so uh very interesting and then yeah and once he left and once to me once they started getting into clothes and stuff like that that's when you know the focus goes away because you want to make more money and that probably had that's probably what happened like you know and
0: that's all and that's probably russell yeah it didn't have rick to be like hey this is what we do. Yes. You know what I mean? Right. And it's just, it's just so interesting. Like, I feel like if you follow Rick, you there's just greatness all around. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, true.
1: It's true. Um, the Deaf Comedy Jam was funny, though.
0: That was that was all Russell. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Def- that, and that's a great idea, too.
1: Yeah. Holy shit, that used to be funny. He has to have Martin hosted. We never even wanted to see the other acts who were definitely funny but martin would host for like he would start the show for like a good five minute warm-up or something like that yeah but deaf comedy jam that's deaf jam venturing into poetry spoken word and comedy
0: i'm so glad you brought that up because i easily could have went through this podcast and totally forgot (laughs) to talk about that but yeah that that is like that was a great idea yes wow yeah, and there's so many. I mean, I I see clips from like comedians that I love today all the time from right? back in Def Jam. Yes, like Chappelle on there. Yes, fucking like Bernie Mac was on there, yeah. right?
1: Cedric the Entertainer was on there. Like, and that's when, like, that was that was hip hop so close knit. It's not professional, like it was professional, but it's not colder like it is now, like with Netflix. Da- mm. da- Dave Chappelle is on stage right now on a Netflix show. Can't nobody heckle him From the audience <laughs> Nobody Cedric <laughs> Entertainer want to Exactly <laughs> Right But you cannot do that But deaf Comedy Jam Is like Yo money You got cross color shoes on. Like it would be like yeah. Stuff like that, and they'll be going back and forth, and it'll be funny, and the audience will be in on it, like oh. But that where did, was where did they film those? That was at the Apollo. That was like some side stage yeah, yeah, of the yeah, Apollo. Yeah. Or I was something gonna like say
0: that. it had like because it it feels like the Apollo when you think about <laughs> the it. The roasting you know what I energy, mean? Yeah. yeah, just like the energy. Because like the way like to me like I always think of it's like they always say like if you go to the Apollo and you're not killing it. You're gonna know (laughs) Like it doesn't matter what the fuck you do You could be a comedian You could be a rapper Whatever If you're not doing well You're gonna know The crowd is not holding back on you Yes
1: the only time you would be able to hack it Is if you went in and sang Christian music (laughs) No matter how bad you sounded They would clap for you (laughs) Because they were scared to boo God
0: (laughs) Oh that's hilarious Uh, I never thought about that But But, yeah, yeah, big shout out to to Russell for for having that idea because it's really, at that point, well, it kind of goes along with what you were saying when they tried to get into clothes and shit. I feel like they were trying to just get into culture. Yes. They like, it wasn't like, like they started out as like, this was the music and the music influenced the culture. It was part of the culture. Right. And then once they reach that level, they're like, how else can we influence the culture? Yes. Which does bring some great things like Def Comedy Jam, but can also make you lose your way.
1: Yeah. Like nobody needs Fat Farm. And we don't need <laughs> baby fat. We don't need it. Like, you know. Tell that to
0: my sixth grade self. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Please, we've put it on before, but we don't need it. I don't need Rock Aware. I don't. I don't I don't need it because there's <laughs> so many polo shirts out there <laughs> so many different styles like, you know. And you know what You know what will kill that when you bring that up? in a label, like deciding to do fat farm and other kinds of clothing and stuff like that. When you yourself are wearing like Tom Ford and trying to sell fat
0: farm, like, don't, uh,
1: like, I'm
0: not going to buy that shit. From you. Right. Like, why are you wearing that? You know what I mean? So it's just you're like, you're not even wearing your own shit. <laughs> that is like, it's actually really funny. This is kind of related, but kind of not. I remember seeing like, um, well I'm literally wearing our shit right now That's
1: right
0: and, <laughs> and I remember like seeing like somebody on social media in like a band that I knew They were like I don't understand why people wear their own stuff Like why why did you like be so like self-centered And I'm just like yo like If you don't want to wear your own shit You gotta make better shit You gotta make better shit Yeah you should just make some custom
1: stuff for yourself Guaranteed Tommy he'll figure wears his own shit 100%
0: <laughs> Why would he not <laughs> You know what I mean? So I think that I think that's an interesting thing. Because I've yeah. heard people debate that. And then but then I'll look at old pictures of Robert Plant. He's wearing a Zeppelin shirt, like every other picture. Yeah. Because he knows. He's like, yo, this is the shit right here. <laughs> you know like <laughs> and that's not? what it comes down to.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
0: So that is a really good point. It's like, yeah, you're trying to make all this. You're trying to influence the culture, but you're not even doing that.
1: Yeah, you're not. Yeah, exactly. You don't believe in your product. Like, you know, if we had the money, my goodness, I would have a Sight After Dark bathrobe, Terry Cloth.
0: Yo, we'd have a whole side up sag clothing yeah, brand. Yeah. I like. mean,
1: it would be the silliest thing. I would just mirror after Tommy Hilfiger because I worked for him for <laughs> so many years. I would have ping pong paddles, yeah. beach bags, sweater coats, umbrella, all the shit I had that was Tommy Hilfiger because I worked for them.
0: Pandanas? Would trans- you imagine our logo on a bandana? <laughs> That's right. That would actually look sick.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway.
0: But, um, <laughs> but that really goes back to what we were saying earlier. It's like all that really matters in the long run is authenticity. Yeah. Because in the short run, you could do something that maybe would make you popular, you know, in the short term, but in the long term, you're going to be seen as corny for doing that shit. Yeah. Whereas if you just stay real to yourself the whole time, not only is that how trends are set. Yeah. Because people that set trends are not people that are trying to be like everybody else. Okay. They're doing their own thing. You know what I mean? This goes with anything. This goes with clothes. This goes with whatever. Like for sure. They're just doing their shit and it's great and people want to be like that. They're not like, oh, well, how do I, how do I, you know, use this for, for me? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So like a thing like that, it's just like, if you're losing the authenticity, you're going to be in the long run, not as praised.
1: Right. You exactly. know what I mean? Yeah. That's, it's very, very true. You know, um, Will Smith said that about himself because his kid asked him one time when Jaden was real small, he's like, dad you ever thought if you just did one thing you'd be really good at it like he's basically telling will stop rapping like <laughs> ah. and will say he's how, getting jiggy with it though when he was young he was like trying to be you know trying to fit in trying to do this this and that and it's like well that's why your music kind of even though i fresh prince made a lot of songs that i really like but that you're i'm just um talking about the authenticity and like yeah you're right like you got to stick to it and believe in it And Mm -hmm. then it'll, like, happen. I actually wanted to talk about the top 20 albums on Def Jam of all time. Oh, (laughs) shit. They had them. They were, like... In my they, they uh put out a list Yes, they did. A top 20 albums in Def Jam, and that was cool. One that I really wanted to shout out before I because I feel like I, I was like it was going down the list Wait, and I was do you like, you have the list? It. Yeah, I think I have it.
0: Could we go over it? Because yeah. I didn't know there I didn't know that they made like Def Jam put this list out or somebody else did?
1: Somebody else put this list out.
0: Was it fucking complex?
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. It was just the um call uh, whatchamacallit. Uh it was just a regular list. Um, and I had it Oh, ever, just
0: okay. Gotcha, gotcha.
1: Yeah, but um, what you call it? They had so Slayer many raining albums. blood number one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think um, did Slayer even made the cup? All right, they actually did twenty one albums of all time. Interesting, which is very interesting. Um, uh, what you call it? So you have Public Enemy.
0: Holy shit, we didn't even talk about Public Enemy. We did not. You want to talk about them? I mean, Public Enemy was one of the first, Well, what we were saying at the beginning of like how punk rock and hip hop is basically the same thing. Yes. It's it's the same attitude. It's the same kind of, I don't give a fuck it this. You know what I mean? Right. Public Enemy was one of the first groups that I heard, like, me growing up, like, discovering older music. Yeah. Where I was like, this is fucking punk rock. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I was listening, I'm like, this does not feel, like, this gives me the same feeling as listening to the Sex Pistols. Yes. Or, like, The Clash. Like, to me, it's like, like, The Clash and Public Enemy are the same fucking thing. They're just different people from different places. That's true. You know what I mean? That's
1: true. Making a lot of, like, kind of, like, political, social statements and Mm -hmm. stuff like that.
0: Um... And you know um they on Spotify they had um like a docu like a podcast docu series about the Clash and it was narrated by Chuck D. You told me about that. And it was sick. You told me
1: about that. I'm going to go back and listen to it cuz I was supposed to listen to it for a while. Yeah. Yeah, and I kept saying I was going to go listen to it and um I did not. All right. So some of the ones that they mentioned were, of course, the Beastie Boys license too.
0: Wait, is this in order or is this, this is just in any order? They just threw out a bunch.
1: Oh, no, they have them in order. You want to know the order?
0: Yeah, let's go from bottom to top. Oh, my gosh. Ooh, this is exciting.
1: This is Ooh, pretty I'm excited. exciting. Okay, so.
0: And then y'all can give us your list after.
1: Yeah, let us know.
0: If Slayer's not number one, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> just um, kidding.
1: Yeah, well, Slayer's definitely there. So let's go for it. What do we got? All right, so we have, at number one, we have Public Enemy. It takes a nation of millions to hold us back. To hold us back. Yeah, which is really, really cool. Is
0: that the one with Fight
1: the Power on it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... uh, 911 is a joke. I mean, oh my gosh. Public Enemy was great. And, you know, Flavor Flav is one of the best things to ever hit. Rap. I mean, like you know, it's the whole, it's the way he sounds, man. I'm glad
0: that you said that. Yeah. I'm really glad that you said that because, but I was growing up, I didn't get it. Yeah. Me- like I only knew him from the fucking like reality shows and shit. Like oh, I, yeah. I, I ended up listening to Public. Like I said, I, I ended up having a lot of respect for Public Enemy. Yeah. But. You know, when you listen to Public Enemy, the first thing you think of is Chuck D. Yeah, I mean he's got that fucking voice.
1: Yes, it's true. <laughs> you
0: it's know true. what I mean. So I was just like, Flavor Flav, he's like a hype man, whatever. But then as I get older, I realize that he's he's so fucking talented. I've seen videos of him on stage just tearing up so many instruments. And just being so hype and just having so much energy. Yeah. That I'm like, oh, this wasn't an accident. Right. You know what I mean?
1: Shout out to Long Island, this public enemy, Flavor Flavor Chuck D from out there on the island. But yeah, it takes that was the numb that's the number one.
0: Oh, also Method Man was signed to Def Jam Definitely. for his solo. Yes, he was. Also Long Island.
1: Yes. Um uh, Method Man- well, he, he
0: was back and forth, right? Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: They they Def Jam actually wanted the whole of Wu Tang, but they wanted exclusive rights. To the Wu Tang members and their solo careers, and
0: RZA was like, "That's not how this works. That is not it."
1: <laughs> like, he did, because RZA didn't want to hold on to people's lives like that. Yeah, you know what I mean.
0: Well, we'll definitely do a Wu Tang episode. At yes, some point.
1: yes. Wu Tang
0: is forever. It's for the children.
1: You understand me. All right. Number two is El Cool Radio in 1985. This is a list that they're doing. Okay. Hip-hop golden age.
0: Was that the first... That was the first one, right? That was the yeah, first Yeah, this one is album. the one
1: with I Need a Beat and Rock the Bells. Rock the Bells, I really ah, like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If was you get really a festival
0: named after you on your song, you know you're killing it.
1: Yes. Yes. And um I'm, I'm trying to figure out who was ll's dj because these people have actual djs is it cut creator cut creator it was yeah, cut yeah, creator yeah. right rock the beat with your hands i yeah, remember that yeah. cut creator all right um Next I mean that's some Whoa number three (laughs) Public Enemy
0: Fear of a Black Planet All right 1990 Damn public enemy's Killing the top of the list
1: Exactly Number four is the Beastie Boys License to Ill That's 86
0: Yeah (laughs) (laughs) Boom Oh one thing Well I want to say this quick About the Beastie Boys So they actually I just realized this Like they've been It's so interesting Because I've I've known the Beastie Boys For a while Obviously since I was like young Mm -hmm. And I always listen To their music and like, I, when I first started like playing guitar and shit, I would be listening to the Beastie Boys and I would hear like, like, the guitar solo on Fight for Your Right to Party. And I remember when I was young being like, oh man, if I could play something like that one day, <laughs> like that would be crazy, that would be awesome. And then like a few days ago, I was listening to it and I heard that same solo and I was just like, yo, this shit is mad easy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, not not talking shit about anyone, right? In track, no, 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 But like, just to me, I was like, holy fuck! I've come really far, yeah. Just basing off my like thoughts of the Beastie Boys, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just thought it was like a weird moment that hit me because I li- I listened to the solo, I was like, yeah, I could play that. And I was like, whoa! If eleven year old me heard me say that, it would be fucking shocked. That's awesome. You know what I mean?
1: That's totally awesome. But I mean, those are some really rock and hard riffs and beats, man. I love hard yeah. rock like that. I mean, it's amazing. Okay, uh, number five is, oh, this was my album, Ella <laughs> J, Bigger and Deffer. Okay. <laughs> and this was the one with I'm Bad. Like, he had obviously had a bigger budget because the, <laughs> yeah. the I'm Bad, like, his girlfriend got kidnapped. They had helicopters. He was on a walkie talkie, all types of stuff. So that was cool. <laughs> That's when his personality really burst out, was yeah. this album, I'm um, Bigger and Deffer. Um, number six is slick rick great adventures of slick rick we were just mm-hmm. talking about that that's an amazing album uh, number wow number seven is public enemy yo bum rush the show i don't know this album but i do know this picture so definitely
0: yeah. public enemy's killing it they obviously. are totally killing it.
1: what's on this my uzi weighs a ton you're gonna get yours mm-hmm. public enemy number one i don't know this um, album that well no I know Night of the Living Bass Heads <laughs> <laughs> so great Flavor Flavor's hilarious um, and one of my favorite groups off of Def Jam and in all history is Third Base who's on um, Def Jam and this was the Cactus album this was uh Pete Nice and MC Search, who found uh, Nas, but like stuff like that with the flat top, with like your name. Yeah, I'm gonna. P- I'll put it back. on the the video so yeah. that people can see. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, though that's like that's totally late '80s hip hop, New York. All right. Um, and then we have number nine, Jay Z and the Blueprint. Um, I oh. love this
0: album. Oh shit! I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because yeah, I'm still in like '80s mode.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah um
0: I shout out to jay-z album. and kanye
1: yeah shout out to them yeah i'm sure we're gonna see kanye on this list too because uh college dropout was a huge album for def jam and just a huge album he was on, he was on def jam that was that album that. was on def jam definitely oh.
0: it is was, that crazy would you say def was on def jam uh, definitely
1: definitely <laughs> <laughs> that's right def jam literally um, uh, <laughs> this blueprint album, of course, uh, we love it, but I loved um, the one right before this, or no, the one after this, no, the one right before this, yeah. I love the one right before this, okay. A number 10, LL Cool J Mama said, Knock You Out, yeah, <laughs> yeah. After a lesson, I love that stellar... music video too, oh, yeah, gangsta boogie, yeah. And then, um, uh, Michael J. Fox is in that, he was in a movie with Michael J. Fox, it was
0: like, I just realized it was like because it was a black and white video right or am i imagining that wrong? yeah
1: it was him and the thing in and the boxing they show, ring. yes and they show clips from the movie as well
0: so i feel like that music video is almost like the raging bull of music videos
1: yes yeah and i, I think just he, thought he, of that he had to have done that on purpose 100 yeah. right yeah because
0: i mean it's new york shout out to scorsese yeah
1: yeah for real. another new Yorker.
0: that movie is so sad
1: yeah, that's it a is.
0: fucked up movie. It is. That it is, is not one that you're just gonna rewatch many times. No. just like you're, you're gonna watch. You're gonna be like, oh
1: damn. <laughs> 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 oh look, we were just talking about it. Number eleven, Kanye West college dropout, two thousand four. Yep, that was a hot one. What you might call it? Beanie Siegel. Beans is the man. Uh, Beanie Siegel oh. with the truth in two thousand. Like um, we never heard about Beanie Seagull that much after because. Um, when Nas and Jay-Z had the beef, yeah. uh, Jay-Z uh, said something about Nas' baby mother and all types of crazy stuff. Yeah. And then uh, it's just very unclassful, very unclassy. Um what you would call it. And, and so Nas came out <laughs> and then he was like, Compared to beans, you're whack. And oh. Bean was a serious lyricist and he's out from Philly. Nobody was messing with beans and the whole Rockefeller click right there. And that and um He's like, plus Eminem murdered you on your own track. And that was a song called Renegade. So after that that dropped, I never heard that on the radio after that. After Nas said that, I never heard Renegade on New York radio
0: ever again. It goes deep.
1: It goes deep. Wow. And Beanie Siegel didn't put out chart like radio music after Nah said that
0: yeah but let's be let's be fair though I mean at that point in history most most of the time if you're on a track with Eminem he's gonna have a better verse I mean I don't think that's wrong to say <laughs> like I don't think I don't even think that's much of an insult like he was crazy back
1: back in that area I mean well Jay-Z was considering himself the top five dead or alive right I mean you know he, if he said it himself that means it's true
0: I don't know. I just I, that doesn't even seem like much of an insult to me. You know what I mean? Jay Z's a super sensitive guy. I know, I know guy. he would take it like that, but for me hearing it now, I'm just like, yeah. I mean, Eminem would be better than most people. <laughs> like. You know it what I mean? wasn't even
1: a battle track And he's like Eminem murdered you On your own dragon Yeah, He had to have been thinking that For it to like I I mean we used, I used to listen to the radio a lot We used to be driving up and yeah. down the FDR It was nothing but Hot 97 yeah. Or 105 So we were always listening to the radio So That's how we know that Nas won that, that battle like, Well the you know- fact
0: that you just told me That they'd stop playing that track after <laughs> That says there's truth to it because if there was no truth to it, then why would he care? Let everyone hear the song.
1: Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. All right. All right, Jay. Yeah. I mean, I loved Eminem's verse on that track. No shade. <laughs> it was a great
0: one. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like, okay.
1: Okay. Warren G. Regulate the G-Funk error. All right. I mean. <laughs> that was Def Jam? Can you believe that? But yeah. Wow. That's, that's wild because that's a West Coast. Yes. Huh. West Coast artists
0: Regulators
1: Exactly Exactly So yeah I mean Not necessarily my style Of hip hop music But you had to admit That Warren G and Nate Dogg Had something going on Yeah Yeah you had to
0: And every time I hear The original song now <laughs> I'm just like Oh yeah This is the shit Oh man that's funny Shout out to
1: Double M Michael McDonald
0: Steely Dan <laughs> episode Coming soon
1: all right. Um, business never personal. EPMD. Yes, these are two cats out of uh, Long Island again, who said that they modeled themselves after Run DMC, like the way the logo looks. They, just, they were, like they did that on purpose. Yeah. And uh, Jam Master Jay, God bless and ra- rest in peace to Jam Master Jay, a def Jam soldier who actually died. But mm-hmm. Jam Master Jay was the artist that came to EPMD and was just like, all right, you guys are on tour with us. They were headline. They were um, opening up for uh, Run DMC at the time. He was like, y'all don't got a DJ. Basically, that means y'all whack. <laughs> don't nobody want to hear y'all. Y'all ain't got nobody scratching in the back. So that's when they brought out Which DJ is totally Scratch. something a DJ would say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Jam Master J brought out his protege, who is DJ Scratch from Albany Projects in Brooklyn. Shout out to him. And he was EPMD's DJ. And he actually was um, the DJ at the Big Daddy Kane KRS1 versus just the other day. He was... Uh, Big Daddy Kane's DJ. Yeah. So, yeah, shout out to him. But, yeah, that that's just a little bit piece of hip-hop history. I just felt like I had to say that. Some Def Jam history. Why not? Yeah. Okay, for number 15 is Scarface.
0: Wow. Whoa. I know. Texas. Damn, Def Jam's all over.
1: Def Jam South. I bet you it was called that, too. They were on Def Jam South. They are on Def Jam West. Huh. I bet you. Because it was Island... Def
0: Jam. Yeah, because Scarface, was he was part of the Ghetto Boys, right? Yes,
1: definitely. This album is one of not only Def Jam's greatest albums, this is one of the greatest hip-hop albums, Redman's What The Album. This album was insane, and he had so many different remixes at the time to songs that were actually on the album, so you would hear an underground radio version and all these different versions and stuff. You know what's
0: funny about Redman? So like, I, you know the movie How High with him and Method Man? Of course. I watched that movie so much growing up, like yeah. it was on Comedy Central all the time. Yeah. That I somehow convinced myself that Red Man was part of Wu Tang. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't even realize until like years later. I was like, oh, he wasn't actually part of Wu Tang. No. <laughs> like, he's just friends with him. Right. Yeah, Red yeah.
1: Man was part of the Hit Squad. Red Man mm-hmm. is from uh, Jersey. He was part of the Hit Squad, which um, Eric Sermon from EPMD. Yeah. When they broke up, he signed two artists, Keith Murray and Redman, and Redman was one of his artists, right? Yeah. And then uh Parrish from EPMD had his own group, and so they had like a whole bunch of people underneath them. Yeah. So how he became friends with Method Man, I think they just, you know, smoked a lot, you know, but you I, do. I don't understand really how they came together.
0: <laughs> I figured uh if I study high <laughs> take the test high get high scores right <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> so so yeah those two um what you might call it, came together they're actually a uh, red man and method man are going to be playing um both in the uh, 50 cent tv series power book two uh med man <laughs>
0: What's Med- wrong with my words Medman? Today? <laughs> Medical, Medical man? A <laughs> The doctor?
1: Medical man already plays a lawyer on that show, but now this season, Redman is going to play his jailed brother on the show.
0: Oh, that'll be fun. Yes, I'm sure it's going to be, be fun. That'll be fun. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Next album coming up, of course, is the Dark Man X himself, a DMX number 17. It's Dark and hell is hot Mm -hmm. Uh, this was insane this album i listened to this album years
0: after it came out everybody knows that shit to this day of
1: course stop being greedy is on this get at me dog is on this you know i mean there's so many and then he's got so many other poems on it that when i first heard i was like whoa (laughs) this guy dmx because this album came out in 98 okay so this is when i still used to listen to the radio like Mm -hmm. you know and like um somebody like angie martinez she was probably on maybe hot 97 at the time and she would have her evening show maybe like six o'clock or something like that and would it would be like the top 10 songs in the in the in the city or whatever in the country however they rated it and like she would have people come in and be interviewed and DMX of course is like promoting this album and stuff like that he comes in and he's sitting down and each of his dogs has a seat too
0: he's a wild guy up on the chair he was a wild guy RIP <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I'm
1: like listening to him and I'm like oh my god this guy's a total meathead like you know I like the music but um, I don't want to listen to him talk and stuff but then you hear some of but his poems then he poems. gets deeper
0: than that yeah, yeah
1: Yeah. and I'm like holy shit so yeah that was that was a cool thing um, let's go up down of course right under him is Method Man to Cow, 1994 Mm-hmm. This is cool. This album artwork is awesome. It's like, I guess because he was on Def Jam, he does the Wu symbol upside down.
0: Oh, I never thought about that. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Very strange. Well, it's so dope how, I mean, obviously, like I said, we'll we'll do a Wu-Tang episode at some point, but it was so cool how RZA was like, all right, he basically made the the whole structure of Wu-Tang. He's like, we're going to do these albums, but everybody else, we're only signing Wu-Tang clan if you... Can let all of our people do solo albums wherever they want, right? Which is unheard of. Yeah, I mean, especially at the time. Yeah, but we don't have to get too into that.
1: Right yeah, because he's got that young kid um, who was like a baby Rick Rubin himself. Um, that that he actually, the record label that actually let them do whatever the hell they wanted Tiny to do Tiny Rick, yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm dying in a vat in the garage. <laughs> I'm Shout gonna... out to Rick and Morty if you don't know where that just came from. Yeah. <laughs>
1: They're
0: like, What are you talking about?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, what you Macaulay. <laughs> All right, so um, Jay Z has had many albums. This one, uh, Volume Two, Hard Knock Life. This was a great one. It's um, a hard knock life. Yeah, Jigga what, Jigga who? Can I get a what what? Money cash holes. That was that was dope to me. Was Big Pimpin' on that? Um, no, Big Pimpin' is after this. Big Pimpin' is probably the album that we just mentioned. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, this one is probably right before. I like the album that was even before this one, which is In My Lifetime Volume One. That's the one with mm-hmm. um, where I'm from. Mm. on that one and I like I rewound that song on a tape <laughs> until I knew every freaking word that's how you know it's real <laughs> that's how you know it's good and I really liked him at, at this point I liked the way he rapped but he wasn't my favorite rapper mm-hmm. okay uh, we're still coming down oh my god number what, are we, what number are we on 20
0: okay I was gonna say I feel, I feel like we've done a lot
1: yeah EPMD again mm-hmm. business as usual and then 21 is Nas an untitled from 2008 <sighs> not good
0: wait wait what record was Ilmatic on, or what what label was Ilmatic on?
1: Illmatic, Col- I think he was on Columbia when he first came out.
0: Okay, good. Because if they were gonna not, if that was a Def Jam and they didn't have it on that list, then whoever makes this list needs to fucking go back to the drawing board.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I uh, I don't know how good this album was. I I'm seeing all the words on on the songs on this album. I didn't I haven't heard one. So I mean, there was a point after when Nas, I was just like, oh, yeah, sorry, Nas.
0: Well, yeah, that's a solid list of Def Jam. Yes albums I don't know I mean I don't I feel like I've I'm pretty much def jammed ex no, I don't want to say def jammed out but I've said everything that I had to say I think I don't know what do you have any other points you want to hit on
1: no no I, I kind of wanted to end it with like all the people who have been on on it you know what I mean and um yeah like we named a lot of male acts Yeah. I just realized, not that I have a thing with it. A lot of my favorite musical artists are males. You know, not that I have a problem with it, but I just realized it. I just, yeah, I didn't think about that until you said it. Yeah, because there were tons of female rappers, and most likely they were not on Def Jam (laughs) Um, anyway. So, yeah, like a lot of my favorites. said
0: they didn't want to be around Russell?
1: uh, Well, I mean, that's what (laughs) it's looking like. Either that or Russell didn't want, (laughs) Russell did not like female MCs. Was it Russell? No, 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 no. Sorry. Sorry, Russell. It was Diddy. Diddy didn't like female MCs. He had had a bad experience with a female uh, duo from before. I actually remember who that duo was, but he didn't like them. And then after then, he was just like, I'm not working with girls, like, ever. I wonder why people do that. Like, but anyway...
0: Yeah, so thanks for <laughs> watching and slash or listening. I'm wa- I say watching because we are on YouTube. Uh-huh. Right? So so thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for being maniacs with us. If you like the podcast, check us out. Patreon.com slash musicmaniacs. We'll read your name if you sign up and you'll help us decide what episodes to do. Um, it's really the best way to support the podcast and keep it going. So definitely if you got any joy out of this, definitely check out yeah check us out on patreon and that's pretty much it so thanks for being here thanks we love you yeah and we'll see you soon see ya
1: i give anything to not hear you and cry about my life